Bonnery is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What up, everybody here in Chicago? What's up? This is Khalif here with the Spawn on Me podcast. I hope you are doing well out there in podcast land, in Twitch land, and all the places that you reside. I hope you're doing well. I hope everyone is taking care of themselves. I hope you're washing your hands, washing your butt. I hope you've gotten all your shots vaccinated all up in your arm pieces. I hope you are doing okay. I hope everything is good with you. Again, we have a fantastic episode. I am hyped right now because I love the guests we're going to have on today. Um, and also, we got a fantastic couple of episodes that dropped the past week. We had a special extra episode this week uh, featuring my preview of death loop which is extremely extremely cool uh make sure you're checking that out on youtube and on the podcast feeds and then last week we had our really cool episode that had ratchet and clank previews and also our review of resident evil 8 so again if you're not checking out the stuff you got to make sure you're getting it in you got to make sure you're checking out the stuff and you got to make sure you're spreading the word because we bring you nothing but fantastic things up here in spawn on me so i am again extremely excited uh very very excited to have our guests on this week and again please do share the show out i think you know we talk a lot about how you get bigger you talk a lot about how you expand the show you talk a lot about how you make the spaces better it all is because of everyone here in Chicago spreading the word and giving love where they can um, and sharing the good word about what we do as a show so to get on with it Without further ado, someone who I've really, really looked up to and really paid attention to for a long time, someone whose energy I really appreciate being in the space, uh, someone who I dig. We're rocking this week with the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Schreier, rocking with us here in Chicago for our show from Bloomberg News. Shout out to Jason. Jason, how are you doing? How's everything going? What's up, Khalif? It's good to be here. You caught me at the best possible time because I just found like three hours ago, four hours ago, that my new book, Press Reset, is a New York Times bestseller. And so, like, I've been like overwhelmed all night. And so, you caught me in the possible mood. So, get ready. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun conversation. Oh, I'm excited. And congratulations. That is fantastic. That is, that is not not an easy feat to accomplish. And it is something to see again you know you've written this is your third book at this point or is your second book? second book second book second book um, yeah my first book pixels is my second book press reset yep yeah and, and and again you know i think the work you've done in this space has been phenomenal for years i think you've continued to raise the level of of discourse in a, in a, in a really good way. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about press reset cause I've been listening to it because I just saw that it went up on audible, uh, a little bit earlier today. So I've been listening Appreciate to it, it uh, before cool. the show. That's awesome. And, um, I, I, I want to dig into a couple of different things. Cause I feel like there are some, uh, there's a lot of energy around you. There's a lot of energy around the way you work. There's a lot of energy around not only, all of that combined, but the work that you do in this space, which I think is extremely important. But before we get into that part, I think for there's a lot of folks in the space that I don't think get a real sense of you. And I think one of the things that we do on the show that I really appreciate and really love to do with our guests is to talk about the you parts of all this, the why you do what you do and how you got into the space. I've been a, a fan of your, your investigati- investigatory work for a long time. But you weren't always doing that work in the game space. You know, you, you, you did a couple of different beats for a long time. Give the folks at home a little bit of info about how you got into the space, how you kind of dug into it, um, and, and how you've landed where you've landed. Yeah, sure. Well, so first of all, thanks for all the kind words. Much, much appreciated. Um, yeah, I've always, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a writer. And I always knew I, was, I wanted to be a writer of some sort. And then when I got to high school, I got really into journalism and was like, I'm editor of my paper and carried that into college and then afterwards. And, and so when I started here, I was doing a lot of like freelance journalism and just reporting not in games yet. Um, got super bored of doing like 
local government journalism and of like being like, what what can I write about that's way more interesting than that? And <laughs> fell into games as a result of that. So I've always I came into the reporting perspective rather than the like, hey, I want to be part of the video industry perspective, which I think has helped my my like frame of reference when I'm doing some stories that I do because I have desire. Like people ask me all the time, like, would you ever want to make a game or like join a games company? I'm like, absolutely not. I have no <laughs> desire whatsoever. Um, which I think I think is actually something that you kind of need to have if you're going to be like uh, an adversarial reporter because you need to not worry about burning like some come with some company where uh you might want to work one day and for me fortunately i don't want to work at any of these companies so <laughs> i don't mind pissing all off um but yeah i mean for me it was like uh i didn't obviously i didn't start like uh, right out the gate just like drop shell reports that that resonated with the, the whole industry or anything like that a lot of just like talking to people and and grinding and blogging um i started at kotaku in 2012 and was there for eight years and um just spent a lot of time just like covering news and reviews and previews like ever you would expect to uh to to cover in the on the game's beat and um and yeah i mean uh, i really enjoy talking to people and like asking them questions and stuff and that eventually led me down paths of like oh hey i'm hearing stories i'm gonna write about these stories i'm gonna like start covering this from a, an investigative angle and and um yeah i mean that's that kind of led to that yeah i i love the fact you that you talked about the kind of layers of all the stuff that you've done i think that there is a really important part of that that i think people forget right is like you don't just get to the spaces that you've gotten to by not having those journalistic chops and not having those spaces mm -hmm. where you're 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 curious in the way that you do your work and you have to be curious to kind of do the work that you wind up doing do you find that now um while you're kind of in the space that that curiosity has continued to grow or because of the way that the space has wound up being where it's it's choppy it's terse it's really you know argumentative yeah. and combative um, that that is kind of you know squelched a little bit of that want to be as curious as as you were when you kind of started. No, no I'm still extremely curious. I'm more curious about like how how games are made and like the stories behind them. And I have so many stories that just don't get told. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you see this all the time. I'm sure you hear from people who are like, "Man, I wish my, my story could be told." The thing. Um. So no, the curiosity. My, my curiosity was only just that. I mean, what you're talking about, kind of the the, the the choppiness of this industry and some of the I'd call it toxicity has like made me <laughs> has turned me off in some ways, but that's just like like the fandom, and it's not my curiosity has not changed. It's more that like sometimes I look at the gaming capital G gamers and yeah. I say why am I why am I doing this again? Why am I writing for these people? But I, I like to believe that that's like a small chunk of the people out there who who read and appreciate all of our work <laughs> as reporters yeah i mean being yeah i mean being in that middle space of you know we I, I straddle a bunch of different lines with the work that i do in my day job and then doing the podcast and then doing being an advocate for the space and all that kind of stuff so you wind up you mm -hmm. know and being a part of the press is like you wind up kind of straddling a bunch of lines um that you wind up seeing but it feels like for you now at this point in your career that the the want to um not the not the want to the the need to not care about the opinions of others in that way feels like it has given you even more freedom to kind of be that bulldog and go after those hard stories in that way do you feel like that's the case to some extent i mean i do i would be lying if i told you like i didn't care about what people think and like when they send me feedback i wouldn't listen i think uh, there are two important things that i I think I try, um, and I feel like any reporter should try to do, or really anyone in the space. One is listening to the right feedback, and two is making the right enemies um, and like mm. burning the right bridges. And I think like I think those are both really important. And I think one, I think like if a bunch of people you respect are all tough, you don't want to hear it. You kind of have to be like, wait a minute. Um, a bunch of gamers are all like a bunch of fans are all telling you the same thing and you're like okay there's a common theme here I don't necessarily 
necessarily have to like every piece of advice or like listen to everything they're saying, but like I have to at least think about it. I have to at least internalize it a little bit. And then when it comes to making the right enemies, I think it's really important to like recognize that if you're a journalist and you're covering stuff that some people out there cover, you're going to piss people off. And um, if you're pissing the right people off, that's great. And that's like a laudable thing. Um, if you're pissing people off who maybe you shouldn't be pissing off, then you can think twice about it. But but there are lots of reasons you might piss someone off. And, and it's important to just do it for the be pissing people off because you expose injustice and they don't like that as opposed to pissing people off because, I don't know, you were like, you snapped at someone on Twitter or something like that. And so that's, that's how I kind of like try to try to navigate these waters is like, like doing things for the right reasons, making the right enemies, like that sort of thing. Yeah. And and I appreciate that because there is a layer to all of this where, like you said, making the right enemies because the cause is good to a certain extent, right? It's like, you know, that the cause is, or is, is, I'm not going to use the word righteous because I think that's a little bit of a loaded, heavy word for, for that conversation. But I do think knowing that the end of the day what you're trying to do is expose or at least lift the covers off of you know things that aren't going well in the space when a lot of folks in the industry are already calling for it a lot of folks uh within the gaming community don't have the 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 privy that we have when it comes to how close we are to the industry in the ways that we are and a lot of times a thing i share often is you know we have the uh, gaming community is the closest to the thing that they love than many other communities are with that kind of stuff. Um, but they're also super misinformed about how most of it works. Um, <laughs> how, how, how do you balance that part out too? Cause I'm sure that that must be amazingly frustrating all the time to know that all this cacophony of, of, of noise is coming from so many people who really just don't know how the hell half of it works. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Although I do think like one of the things that I kind of take pride in is trying to inform people about stuff. And like one of my favorite reactions to my first book to Bloodstone Pixels was people going on Reddit or whatever, or social media and saying, oh man, after reading this book, I'll never call game developers lazy again um, because now I know what it takes. And so that, that to me is a really cool thing to be able to do is help inform people. And obviously I wouldn't be able to do that without all the people who talk to me for these stories and like speak out and, and there's a lot there's it's not just me it's a whole machine at work here but um but 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 uh yeah i mean it, it's definitely a little frustrating but i feel like every ignorant person is another person to be informed um or to or just like another capital g gamer who you can just kind of <laughs> ignore um and and just like let let talked in their echo chamber like leave them off to be in their echo chamber with the other like console fanboys or whatever <laughs> i mean it, it, it's also great to hear you say all this stuff because again like i i don't think that people really get a good vibe of you like i know me as a new yorker you and i have new york energy right so it's like <laughs> we understand what that means it's not like because you know it a lot of people say this often that new yorkers are rude and i was like new yorkers aren't <laughs> rude we're just busy and we don't have mm. we don't have time for that kind of uh you know let me hold your hand kind of energy right and you carry that on to the internet your block hand is extremely strong your block hand is extremely quick um i'm very proud of that yeah <laughs> and, have I, you know. and i and i and i think that that's an interesting thing to to dig into because i think that the there is a perception um often and i think that this is the way it winds up sounding is like when it comes to people saying hey jason schreier there is two emotions that come with that it's either love or hate there isn't a lot of in between when it comes to, to you on the internet how is that kind of just yeah it happened yeah does does that feel like again like do you feel like you get do you get a bad rap do you feel like you know uh, with the work that you do that it lends to kind of giving you more of a space to be more you know you who i know is a person who loves sports you get you love a whole bunch of different things that i don't think you get a chance to kind of share um how, how do you feel about that <laughs> yeah, kind of I stuff i mean look the, yeah i mean the 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 thing that I've kind of learned over the years um, uh, is that when once you hit like a certain threshold of followers on Twitter or like really on it, once you hit a certain point, you just can't use it like everyone else uses it. And you have to just like be aware that like everything you say is going to be seen by a lot of people. 
people and everyone is going to try to interpret it in the worst possible way and everyone is going to try to respond to you like in the, even just just tonight i mean i'll give you a perfect example tonight i like i i was like like sitting there at my desk tears in my eyes when i found out about this bestseller thing and i tweeted it and it was outpouring of like love and people said it was awesome. And then there's one guy who responds to me saying, you know, actually the New York Times bestseller list doesn't really mean anything because anyone could get on it. And I was just like, fuck, I, like blocked him immediately. And it's just like, <laughs> like, that's the sort of thing where like, I think people don't realize how much of that is just hitting me all the time. And I worry about on how unhealthy it is sometimes. How like, like I, I have a pretty thick skin, but I, I think it cannot be good for one health to just be exposed to that kind of messages, like the negative negativity and the vitriol and, and the nastiness. Um, uh, do you need to reset? Should I, should I hold up? Should I I'm gonna, for a sec? We... No, uh, finish that thought. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to reset okay. the, reset the stream. Really After, quick. Cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think people don't realize like what it kind of, the t- kind of mental health toll that it takes most of that sort of thing every single day like sometimes dozens hundreds of people and oftentimes it's not because you said something controversial it's like just anything like anything you say any take you have um reporting doing your job it's just constant um so that said i mean my solution to that is just to blow indiscriminately on twitter and i there's nothing that gives me more satisfaction than blocking someone because it's just it feels like i've eliminated a nuisance from my life eliminated a nuisance from my life it's like anyone who annoys me in any way i'm just like goodbye goodbye and sometimes i'm i block people who i probably shouldn't and i've i've gotten i was just talking about this on on the iron lords podcast on sunday because i was like hey look if you feel like i blocked you and you didn't deserve it or if you said something shitty and you regret it and you want to apologize just hit me up and we'll talk about it and I like to give people, I believe everybody deserves second chances. Like I believe really strongly that like nobody should be held like mistakes that people make or like things, shitty things people say should not be held over them for all of eternity. As long as they're like, they, they apologize and they're held accountable and so on and so on. Cause like who among us hasn't said shitty things that they regret. Um, yeah. But, but like, yeah, I mean, I think if, anyone feels like they've been blocked unjustly or like they regret saying something to me, they're welcome to email me and, and we'll talk it out and I'll unblock them. And I'll give anyone a second chance. <laughs> but that's it. That. I mean, to my point, I, to the earlier point, like I, I think that it's just like people don't realize once you hit a certain level of, of um, followers and you have a platform which is great about that it's been awesome it's like it helps my career a lot it makes me able to do things like like sell a lot of books and stuff like that and reach a lot of people with stories and that is really good i think but with it comes this just like constant buzz of negativity mm. and the only way to deal that at least for me the only way to deal that is to just block people indiscriminately it's it's the only thing i can do otherwise i would just be crazy with my notifications all day so i i get that understanding of having to fight the internet all the time like that energy is hard doing that work is difficult like you talked about that threshold that you wind up hitting when you then have to kind of just get the influx of all the grossness that winds up coming in to the internet you know how how do you deal with that part i I know that besides you having a a strong block hand and doing that kind of stuff (laughs) this are you you know we've talked a lot about on the show and we've talked about especially with this being mental health awareness month of how much that stuff grinds on you are you finding good ways to cope with that that you know as, as a human being are you finding good ways to kind of work your way through that stuff yeah i mean i just kind of ignore it for the most part um, don't let it really bother me i i mean you can't work in this business without having thick skin and so i've kind of developed that over the years and so that that has certainly helped um and yeah i mean i just try to focus on more than the bad and i also realize like a lot of the negativity is just because gamers are just like young and immature and just get mad at the messenger for for providing bad news sometimes the news that i report is bad news um like any sort of report about like uh, uh, Halo Infinite being delayed, Cyberpunk being being uh, uh, the developers going through crunch and and the game having a rocky uh, a rocky. It's so funny. I mean, Cyberpunk is a perfect example, right? Like it, it's when I was reporting last year that the company was crunching its workers and that things were not great over there. Everyone freaked out. Everyone was like, "How dare you like report this about CD?" 
prod. I got all these nasty messages. And then two months later, the game comes out and suddenly all those same people are like, Jason, investigate cyberpunk. Like what happened here? We have to know. And suddenly the tide (laughs) turns and no longer am I accused of just having like being out to get CD projects like, oh, yeah, Jason, the just warrior who's 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 getting the truth for us. So it's just like <laughs> it's like gamers. Like I said, gamers of the capital G. It's like you 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 go after their favorite brand and they'll freak out at you. Um, I remember when when I was reporting a while back uh, when Fallout 76 was getting announced and it got I don't know if you remember this, but they did this teaser trailer for the game yeah. that had no notion whatsoever of what it was. And everyone thought it was just a new Fallout game. And it was it was like, oh my god, new Fallout game, this is awesome. And I reported, I was like, hey guys, this is an online game. Because um, I had been talking to people who worked on it. And I was like, hey, this is an online game. It's like a survival game. And everyone flipped a shit. Like, people just went after me. They were like, oh, Jason can't be telling the truth. Like, it, it's just a constant denial of anything that people don't want to believe. And to me, yeah, I mean, you're laughing. I laugh at it too, because yeah. it's just like, at a certain point, you have to. It's like, you see people saying these awful things, and you're just like, I, all you can really do is laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, growing up on the internet, you just get so used to all awful stuff. And, like, I'm a VH, I'm 34. So I grew up in the in the dial-up days of like being internet culture, and so um, a lot of it just bounces off of me, fortunately. And so, so I'm doing fine. I'm also, I mean, I'm super lucky. Like I have a, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a good career and like a wife and a baby, and like I have a very very happy life. So, so having that is kind of like an anchor, as opposed to like like maybe if I was by myself, like living by myself and just doing this and like miserable in other ways, then then maybe I would the internet would get me down more. But I am very fortunate to have a very like good happy like very happy with my friends family like um live really close to my parents see them all the time so like i have a very balanced life which i think helps also like from a mental health perspective yeah i I think it's one of the most peculiar parts of a lot of this stuff is this idea that you can't tell truth without having a, a a a axe to grind with whatever particular entity or whatever that thing is which i find is to be super weird because it's like for you to do your job well and to talk about things you talk about sometimes somebody's going to get mad at you and they're going to try to figure out a way to like discredit it or do all that kind of stuff and then having mm-hmm. the internet be on that other side of the fence is is also super super weird um i want to get into the book yeah. because i'm excited to talk about that but before we pivot to that yeah What's up with you having beef with my boy Paris? What's up with the beef that you two have? What's going on over there? Are you just yeah, man. <laughs> so you remember, I mean, we were talking a little bit about this on social media that yeah. like I was pissed because he said I had an agenda. Yeah. But then I, the podcast I just mentioned, the Iron Lords podcast, I went on there that I was talking to those guys on Sunday and they mentioned that like Paris reached out and wanted to like send, like send, extend an olive branch. So, um, so he and I exchanged messages the other day and we're going to get on the phone and chat and, and hopefully hash things out. Cause the thing is, I mean, oftentimes like uh, when people are just dicks to me, I'm just like, whatever, I don't need yeah. you in my life goodbye but with paris i have so many mutual friends and who who speak well of him that i'm kind of like okay i can i can this guy this he seems like a good guy and we can talk it out and hopefully uh make amends and and because he he seems like a good guy from from what i mentioned i didn't actually know him um at all uh when when we uh when we got into that fight but um but but i think i i have a good feeling that that we're gonna talk on friday i have a good feeling that we'll uh we'll 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 hash things out yeah, I mean, it's always one of those things where, you know, when I was watching it from from the sidelines and being like, oh, no, this is happening right now. This is no growth because it, it is one of those things where I think that and I appreciate you saying this and in, in both of you having that moment of clarity, right, where I think that there's a, a space now where no one wants to say I'm sorry. No one ever wants to apologize and say, hey, I was in my feelings. Or, yeah. Hey, I was having a bad day or hey, between all the parties involved, you know, something got misaligned and then that kind of stuff. So it's nice to hear you and other people say like, yo, it's not that deep and we can get to a good space where we can kind of make make the amends and, 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 and still extend olive branches, which now at this point feels so weird to hear anyone even say it at this point who does any work on the Internet. It's really kind of refreshing yeah. to hear that you two are going to do that. I'm actually really happy to hear that that's going to be a thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I always worry with like public apologies that they feel performative and that they, you can kind of lose a lot of the message. And with the context there, I mean, this is also the context of like some people denying some of the stuff that was being, that like people were telling me about like CD product red crunch. And I was like in a very heightened state of like, anger because nothing really makes me matter than like people denying the reality of like like I hear these stories directly from game developers and like to see people on the internet being like actually this isn't really happening or like trying to undermine it there was a lot of talk about like Polish labor laws and other stuff that was totally not true right. and a lot of like the right wing pundits were getting into it um, like Colin Mario was like too shit about how this wasn't that big a deal and for me for someone who like actually has these conversations with people and like hears people talk and like tell their horrible stories about like like their marriage is getting ruined or their lives getting destroyed as a result of like some of these workplace conditions um to see people just trivialize that like pissed me off so much and and that's why i kind of if without that context i probably wouldn't have been as pissed um as i was um being like oh my god this like guy who who gets a cyberpunk chair is like going after me saying i have an agenda um but but because of like what all that was going on i was like pretty pissed about it but i will talk things out things will things will be good i think um and yeah i mean in general i i, I like again it's like i said like i i don't want to i I want to piss off the right people. I want to be enemies with the right people. I don't want to be enemies with like other people in this space who are doing cool things and who like I have a bunch of mutual friends with and like who I respect in different ways. That that's not something I'm super interested in doing. Like I I want to save my negative energy for the 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 people who are like imposing terrible workplace conditions on their their employers in the game and their employees in the games industry. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I and I appreciate that because I think that there is a space there where again my hope for most interactions on the internet is that people take that mem- that moment of introspection and say what did i contribute to this thing what did the space contribute to this thing how did it all kind of play itself out and then find good ways to to meet in the middle and and you know people sometimes agree to disagree and that's and that's fine but also this this place is to actually extend olive branches and i still don't think that that part is dead uh for for humanity and the way that we wind up working in in these spaces so i appreciate the fact you two are gonna break break virtual bread and, and have those conversations in that way um yeah want, we'll do it i want to dig into press reset because i've been listening to it um uh, earlier today um it is a really fascinating um set of stories and, and conversations around so many different failures of multiple different studios over the past decade in decade plus um and i and it feels like that layer of it which i think i'm lucky enough to have known a little bit about most of the stories you've kind of already talked about in the book which has been fantastic so i even getting mm-hmm. a little bit more in-depth insight into you know the players and in, in all of this stuff um i i love seeing you smile about knowing the inside details and intricacies of all this kind of stuff when you what was the kind of impetus for digging into this because i feel like there's a space here where this is it it doesn't feel and and this i'm happy it doesn't it doesn't feel celebratory in the way that it's written or at least the way that it comes across especially when i'm listening to the audiobook but it is this chronicling of what has happened and what were the steps that got us to those places where those studios wind up dissolving what was your thought process Mm -hmm. when kind of building out the case for wanting to build this book and why did you want to write it yeah, well, so, um, yeah, just to zoom out for a sec, the book, like you said, it's about, like, studios dissolving, it's about the volatility in the video game industry and, like, why that's so brutal for people. Um, a lot of people know me for talking about crunch and crunch culture and overtime, but I think volatility is a way worse problem. Like, if you ask a game developer who was left the end why they left, chances are they'll say, sick of the layoffs, sick of sick of the volatility, sick of moving all over the place for my new job. Um, and yeah, that was that was the main impetus for writing this is that I wanted to. Although, so it's funny enough, you're a sports fan, so you'll appreciate this. It starts chapter that I knew I wanted to do was 38 Studios, the Kurt yeah. Schilling story, which I, I knew was a, a wild story um, that that I really just wanted to get down and, and get in depth on. Um, and so that was that was the first thing I decided to do with the book. And then from there, I was like, okay, I want to do a bunch of different stories 
stories in this book, maybe a story on um, Irrational Games and Bioshock. Maybe I'll do a story on um, uh, and, uh, uh, Visceral Games and, and meet a guy there who and follow the, the life of this guy who was there and, and his kind of workaholism and the other things that he faced while he was at EA. Um, and so, yeah, eventually decided to put it all together and just kind of have the running thesis of, hey, this video game industry is unsustainable but it shouldn't be because it's making 180 billion dollars a year so why is it like this like why why does it feel like people can't have stable careers in this industry that's making so much money and so from there a lot of it just came together and and there was a lot of reporting involved and that's always the biggest thing with these books is just going out and talking to as many people as possible and trying to get stories the thorough stories um but yeah no it was uh it was it was uh a very um and it was kind of, it's like a bleak book, but it's also an optimistic book. And like, I didn't leave any of my conversations with people feeling like really depressed or anything like that. It was mm. a lot of just like, Hey, here's how I recovered. Here's why I'm doing better now, even though we can look back at this time and it sucked because I laid off and my studio shut down and I looked around and I said, man, I'm not going to see my friends all in one office anymore um but here's how i moved on and like did this other cool thing and sometimes it's like hey here's how i went and started this indie studio and it was awesome and then sometimes it's hey here's how i burnt out of the games industry and now i'm being paid way better in, in another field um and it's more stable and so i'm happier now and so in general it was a lot of a lot of the people i spoke to had like happier happier times uh, than they had in the past but yeah no that's that's kind of and the long-winded way of answering your question is that it started with me asking that question of like why is it that this games industry can't seem to keep people stably employed why do we hear about layoffs every every few weeks and also like how do i capture the human stories of those so we often see like Activision lays off 800 people while Bobby Kotick buys a new yacht in the headlines. <laughs> um, but I wanted to know, like, like who are these 800 people? And, like, can we meet a few of them over the course of this book? And and that's what I tried to do with Presser Set. Yeah. And, and, and that comes through because I'm up to, like, maybe chapter three at this point. Um, and I'm not going to give anything nice. away because you, you should go buy the book. Um, but I think <clears throat> one of the things I found to be really interesting was, and I was coming away from it, and I love the fact you talked about that one nugget of information, or at least the, the idea of you make this industry makes so much money, but it feels like everyone is miserable or at least everyone is like mm -hmm. in a space where no one seems to be happy in this job where I think a lot of folks who are listening to the show and a lot of people who are on Twitter and in the game space, capital G gamers are like, I would kill for that job. Uh, but they all have no idea uh -huh. what is entailed when it winds up going, going into it. When when going through the, you know, making of the book and the researching of the book and going to, you know, all these really awesome um, interviews that you had with folks, was there a canary in the coal mine kind of through line across a lot of these studios that was like, here's the telltale thing of when we know a studio is about to fold because you either have someone in, in, in the higher up offices who's not doing stuff. Like what were the, the things that you saw as the kind of commonalities across all of these stories that wind up kind of coming through? It's funny you mentioned, uh, it's funny you say here, the telltale thing, cause uh, yeah. telltale is one of the studios unfortunately <laughs> shut down. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's interesting. There's some that like experienced veterans have figured out some kind of cues, like uh, like if if suddenly nobody's talking about the next project anymore, like all the emails stop or something, all the phone calls about the next project stop, all the meetings are suddenly canceled. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's like a planned office move. Suddenly everybody's quiet about like the plans for for their office move. Um, and sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. Like with 38 Studios, a lot of people just had no idea that it was about to happen. Um, and that I mean that story is especially sad because none of them got severance and they yeah. they got like their their final paycheck was robbed from them and it's a wild story of what happened there um but yeah i mean man in in the irrational chapter uh, uh a couple of people told me that uh, for them it was a bad sign when suddenly there's a giant cake for everybody it was like uh oh like cake cake seems like a bad sign in the games industry which i thought was pretty funny um yeah it's just like it's so morbid the way that people sometimes talk about their careers in games um and it's just so yeah it's 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 messed up man it's really oh, messed up man i mean have you seen and because uh, you know one of the things i think um we hear often or at least it's it, it feels like a myth right where it's like well 
to get into a more stable version of the gaming industry, your 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 trajectory is to try to get to AAA, right? Um, mm. I think that's a lot of what people think is like get to the big studio and then you should be fine. And then you know they have this shit together and that's the way it kind of works. But it also feels like since the, the indie space is still so unstable, but it feels like it is the space that continues to kind of hold the entire industry afloat, that there's still no space to kind of see who's doing it right well i guess that's the question i would ask you is like in the times you've gone through this and had those you know had those stories and seen so many over the years are there any studios that you feel like kind of getting it right at this point are there any ones that feel like they're actually like making it sustainable for the for the folks that work for them and also are anybody is anybody sharing that knowledge to anybody else it feels like everyone is super siloed in that stuff too what are your thoughts about that yeah, I mean, so um, to your first point, I actually think I think every story in the book is a triple A studio that shut down. And a lot of people went indie afterwards and then had their own ups and downs. But but the book is very much about like the the triple A studios that are not as stable as you'd think, because I really wanted to capture that idea. Like like an indie studio going out of business is kind of like it's almost expected because it's like you took this risk. And if you make a game and it doesn't it isn't a smash hit, then you might run out of money and you might have to go fold and find there is one studio in the book about some people after Irrational and the ups and downs of their indie studio and that but that's a whole different area um so yeah so capture the kind of the contrast that we mentioned about like that is so rich bigger than Hollywood but even the biggest videos seem to shut down like Bioshock and that studio shuts down after making the successful game this stuff um to answer your question of people doing it right uh, I think there's there are definitely, I mean, there are definitely companies out there that like try smart business decisions, try to have multiple projects going on. So like you don't have to lay people off when you're done with one project because you can move them to another. Or even better these days, I mean, there's like a concept called games as a service that we've all heard about a lot now, um, where a game is instead of just being released and then that's the end of it, at least, and then continually over time. Um, and one of the advantages of that approach, as much as uh, gamers might not like it, because it's like those games are full of microtransactions and other kind of predatory stuff, but one of the advantages to games as a service is that um, they can keep people employed and stable for a long time. I mean, the mm -hmm. people who Epic Games is not is not laying people off well if, if they did it would be really messed up but but they there's probably not a ton of risk if you're working on fortnite um you might have other issues but like you probably don't have to worry much about getting laid off tomorrow if you work at fortnite but like in the games industry man everyone seems to have ptsd sadly and like <laughs> feels like they could call it into it and all hands meeting at any time it's really bleak and depressing um but but uh but yeah i mean games of service helps um i think that like they're like business realities at a certain point depending on the company um but even if like like you think you're getting a job i don't know you think you're getting a job that's stable you're working on esports for activision blizzard and then suddenly you could get called in like a couple ago a lot of people were and just let go um suddenly a pandemic can happen and suddenly live events aren't happening anymore so it's like oh well sorry goodbye so who knows and and it should be noted that like this is also the case for a lot of industries in america like there's not a yeah. lot of job stability at a lot of different places so it's not a certain it's certainly not unique to gaming um in the media industry we certainly have to face volatility all the time that's what what i find unique about gaming what's actually like special about gaming is the amount of money they're making and activision blizzard like that come which laid off almost 200 people a couple months ago also is making like record revenue every single quarter so yeah. these are companies that can very much afford to keep their workers stable they just choose not to yeah that is hard to really wrap your mind around in that way and i'm not even i'm on the periphery sure right like we're on the periphery of all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff in that way and we don't get a chance to touch it in in in, in that way but it is it is really interesting to, to see how that has wound up continuing to play play itself out in those ways um there are there were a bunch of other studios too that i'm sure you could have absolutely added into this added into this anthology in this car in this conversation in this way um it was funny because i was like looking through the kind of the 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 the, the chapters and i was like oh yeah. man is, is the first one i thought it was like damn boss key would have been a really interesting story to dig into 
uh, for stuff like this. It's funny you mentioned that. Well, so I actually reached out to Cliff Blazinski because I know him and um, yeah. um, he actually, he he, I, he read the book and really liked it. Um, he's writing his own memoir. Uh, so he wanted to keep that story for his own book, um, which makes sense. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't think it would have, it, it didn't work out. But yes, I would have liked to include Bosky actually. Um, I mentioned it in the epilogue. I also, I was thinking about doing a chapter on Telltale, but decided yeah. not to for a few reasons. Um, one of which being that there was a lot of good reporting about the telltale story like as i was writing the book and i was like you know what i'm just gonna leave it um some good stuff from my former colleague ethan gatch and yeah. um Kotaku and megan Faroka, the verge and some other folks out there so so i kind of left left that to those those folks and was like i don't need to do it. but i did include some telltale anecdotes towards the end of the book as as you'll see when you get there yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, that's actually a really good segue to a thing that I just was thinking about was like your favorite writer's writer, right? Like who are the folks you like to read at this point when it comes to game coverage and things like that? Um, um I, I try to read a lot of non-games coverage actually, yeah. and so like a lot of my inspirations in the journalism world are like people like um michael lewis and um bill simmons back in the day yeah. and and just reading i because i actually think it's an, a really a really useful skill for people who are like in games coverage to just be exposed to non-game stuff yeah. um whether it's writing or, or books or videos or podcasts or whatever and like when i listen to podcasts i try to listen to pretty much all, my, all games podcast because i'm like uh i mean first of all it's it would be too much to be like doing my <laughs> games podcast every week and also listen to us but also I, I just i feel like you have insight um into the world if you just try to surround yourself with other stuff and not make your life completely about gaming which is something i try to do um as well reading a lot of books that have nothing to do with games and stuff like that um but yeah in the game space i mean i i there are tons of people i don't even want to name names of like current sure. writers because there's so many people who are like i wouldn't want to hurt the feelings of anyone but like i'm reading uh, Kotaku on GameSpot and IGN like all the, there's so much good stuff on those sites and I actually hate it and like always disagree when people are like oh Jason you're the only real games it's nonsense and like there's so much good stuff out there yeah. um, when I was like starting my career I looked up to a lot of people uh, Lee Alexander and Steven Tatillo and mm -hmm. Tom Bissell and, 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 and Michael Abbott and a, a whole bunch of other uh, games great games writers and yeah. Simon Parkin and there, there are a lot of tons of people again I don't want to name names I just started naming names and I'm like man I'm forgetting <laughs> people already um, I think, but I yeah think, there's I so think, many okay. writers out there that I think it's all right. I think yeah. it's okay. I mean, you <laughs> so, give, I mean, it's again, you're giving props. You're not, you're not saying anybody. You're not. You're not coming at it and being like, "I'm better than those folks." But it's like you're giving props, so that's reasonable. Um, no. Yeah. One other thing that I didn't get a chance to, to to ask you that I would love to hear your thoughts on really quickly because uh, we're almost running out of time is yeah sure. <clears throat> Moving around from Kotaku to now, you know, working, you know, Kotaku back in the day and then and then kind of making your way through different publications and now working at Bloomberg. How has that mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. for you kind of moving into a space? Did you have to kind of get them up to speed first when you started to take this job and then kind of explain how it all worked and then kind of do that kind of work? No, I, I have how things work every single day. That's what's interesting. It's a really interesting challenge. So so what happened was, okay, so I left Kotaku in the spring of last year, so April 2020, and I was I was deciding between two jobs. Like I knew I wanted to leave. Basically after, I don't know how familiar you are with the Deadspin stuff, but yes. basically after my our parent company murdered Deadspin, I was like, I have to get that this company is not like someplace where I want to work anymore. And so I was looking for jobs and I had, I went up with two options essentially. And one of them was like, again, a traditional site lines of what I was doing at Kotaku and the other was Bloomberg. And it was like, you're going to come and do this mainstream site and you'll cover the games industry for us. And the reason I chose Bloomberg um, is because it seemed like such an interesting challenge to have yeah. to write for this mainstream audience, do things that I wouldn't be like, I couldn't blog anymore. I couldn't write like, like uh, for a gaming audience anymore. And it's been a really interesting challenge because um, a lot of the people that I work with, like know nothing about the games industry and I have to like talk it through to them, which is cool actually, because it helps you kind of like, it helps interesting stories crystallize and it helps you decide like, Oh, this is actually an interesting story versus this is something that only like the hard, 
hardcore gamers care about. Um, and there's merit to those stories. Don't get me wrong. And like, sometimes I'll tweet stuff that, that wouldn't make a story, but it's like stuff hardcore gamers would care about. But, um, but it's been really interesting to have to frame things and write things in a way where it's like, this is a business audience, a, a mainstream audience, and, and um, you have to report accordingly. And yeah, it's been fun. It's a, a really, really interesting challenge. And I've enjoyed the one downside is that um, I've been working from home since I started, so I haven't yeah. actually like gone in and met coworkers. So, which is really weird. I, I was actually I'm thinking about going to the office at some point. Now I'm, I'm fully back, so I'm thinking about going to the office at some point in the next couple of weeks. But but we'll see. That's also going to be a weird transition. Now I'm like, I, I, for a while I was like, I want to go to the office and meet my coworkers. Now I'm like, I don't want to leave. I'm like wearing my gym shorts. I don't want to my house. I don't want to commute. Come on, man. So. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, hell, next time you're in the, you know, next time I come by and I'm back home in New York, uh, we have to go hang out. We got to go get a drink, go hang out, go go get, go grab some food. Yeah, let's get a drink. We can we can talk about the Knicks. Yeah, we'll talk about the Knicks for a while. Oh my god, I mean, you got to talk about the Nets too. Before we go, how far do you think they're gonna take? You think they're gonna win the chip? Yeah. Take it? Yeah. Man. Okay, so we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. Um, I'm actually kind of, I'm not really a huge fan of like the way the Nets have approached this. Like I, it, man, I, I really want them to have a homegrown star, and they. I don't know how psyched I'll be if they win a championship. Like, I'll, I think I'll be a championship, but like not as stoked as I would have been if they had won back in the kid day. Where I mean, obviously they traded for kid, um, but like they had other guys. They had um, Richard Jefferson and, and Kerry Kittles and Kenyon Martin and all these guys who were like important pieces of that team who they drafted and grew up with the Nets and like were were my guys. And with this, it's like Kyrie came last year, Durant came last year, Harden came like two months ago, and it's like <laughs> okay, this is cool. It's cool seeing my team like potentially win and like be a contender. I haven't seen that before, um, except those ill-fated date they had darren williams and they traded for paul pierce and kevin garnett which is oh, terrible yeah. but um but yeah no this is a the first time uh, like um, since since in 20 years really the first time that it's felt like i have a contending team and i'm just not that happy about it so i don't know i don't want to be a bummer but like yeah it's it's weird it's a weird feeling and the knicks are like suddenly they're the opposite like, yeah. you have this guy these guys like i mean julius randall obviously you didn't draft him but like it feels like he's a nick because he rejuvenated his career there so yeah. it's very different than like bringing on some mercenary so that is cool that's like a cool feeling that i i kind of wish the nets had well we'll see we'll see if we make it together and get to that space where we get to battle in the nba playoffs and see what that's like i will i will text you i'll dm you to be like god, be damn, so it, much Kyrie. Fun. god damn it Kyrie. Seriously, Jason, thank you so, so much for being here. Give the folks at home uh, some info about Press Reset before we let you go so they can know where to get it and snag it. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for having me, Khalif. I really appreciate it. And yeah, people can check out Press Reset anywhere. It's out now. Um, audiobook just came so that is out now you can get it any store um uh, obviously most people order on amazon these days but i encourage if you're interested in the book getting it from your local indie store because like man indie bookshops need our help man we need to support them there's actually a great site called bookshop.org yeah. and they if you buy from there you support indie stores along the way but even even better is to just call up your indie your local store and be like hey do you have this book i want to come in and, and get this book or see if they'll send it to you and that's that's my recommendation recommended way to go but yeah uh, i think people really dig it um i think it it's i mean so far it's been resonating with a lot of people which is cool to see um i think that like i'll worry that it sounds too de that it's too depressing um which i don't think it is that much I, like i think you'll come away from it learning a lot and like feeling connected with some human stories and it's a very optimistic book like it's very much like things can change which is one of the my goals there so yeah go check it out press reset I, I am reading through it or listening through it right now in audiobook version. And I, I will say it is not a depressing read. It is, I'm learning a lot about the minutia of how this all works. And again, if you, I feel like for the folks who are not super into the gaming industry, this is going to be an even better read for them because they have like no idea of how some of this works. And for folks like me and other folks who are in the space, you'll get a really good sense of just like, how all the buttons work when they wind up getting pushed and how they all kind of line themselves up. So Jason, New York Times best-selling author, 
Jason Schreier rocking with us. <laughs> Man, you're the first you're the first interviewer who's ever got that. So congrats. <laughs> hey, you got no, it's so cool. Pro- gotta um, give props. Gotta give props the, where to do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Khalif. I really appreciate it. We gotta have you back on. We'll have you on soon again and we'll make sure we'll we get everything straightened out on the tech issues. But again, thank you so much for being here. Brilliant stuff. I'm really excited to go through the rest of the book. And again, you know, we'll see how the playoffs wind up looking for the rest of the NBA playoffs. So everybody give Jason. Yeah, good luck. Yes, you too. Same to you. Uh, Everybody give Jason some love. We're going to let him go. Uh, We're going to go and take a quick break. Uh, We'll see you all in about two and a half minutes. Go grab yourself some water. Go grab yourself uh, some food. Go cop the book. Go snag the book, press reset. You can see it right about here if you're watching us on Twitch. Go make sure you give that man some love. New York Times bestselling author, Jason Schreier. Fantastic. We'll see you in about two minutes. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Bricago. Merrick Kay here from Fanbyte. Did you know that Spot on Me is a part of the Fanbyte Podcast Network? We produce a ton of other great shows like Channel F, a podcast where we talk about the games we're playing. Can I just say yeah. how much I would love for there to be a Hitman game that's just about making people experience embarrassing social faux pas, trying to like prank people and make it seem like they had farted or like tripped on something. <laughs> that would be like very good. Dig up weird finds at thrift stores. So the listing says Bung Doctor V64. <laughs> And take your questions about the best jokers. Labars Martin asks, what's the best or coolest weapon ever given to a mech? Gundam Gusion Rebake has a really oh, good... Wait, give, me, give me that one more time. Gundam Gusion Rebake. Yo, I heard you. <laughs> Gundam <laughs> Gusion. I personally guarantee that listening to Channel F will make you a better, smarter, more powerful version of yourself. So go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts or search for Channel F on your podcast app of choice today. Improvement not guaranteed. Listening to Channel F may cost you amplification. Yo, Bricago, this week, there isn't a lot of news to actually dig into. There is some stuff on the AT&T front that I'm not versed enough in to really give a really good opinion on. Um, we want to hopefully get somebody on the on the squad on the show to talk about that soon because I'm really interested in how that's playing out. Um, so expect a little bit of commentary around that next week. I think that's probably where we'll do that uh, because I'll have a better understanding of where it is. But if you're not familiar with our who's invited, who's not invited to the cookout segment, it is a time and a space where we get to give a little bit of love or a little bit of shade uh, to folks who are doing something great or not doing something great in in the space. And we want to make sure we're um, uh, taking some time to acknowledge all of those things together uh, while we're here on Spawn on Me. This week is all about giving some love. We want to give some love to two folks who... Um, I've really appreciated the way that they have tackled an extremely difficult conversation this week. Um, I want to give love to my friends, Rami Ismail and Tamor Hussein, who, if you've been paying attention to the conversations around everything that's happening in Palestine right now in the Gaza Strip in Gaza, um, the energy and the conversation has been fraught with lots of different angles and lots of different feelings and thoughts. Um, and Rami and, and, and Tamor have, have galvanized the video game industry in a really important way. I think, again, the, the, the reach of trying to make sure that people understand what's happening in that part of the world in a way that continues to humanize the people who are being eliminated, being destroyed, being um, assassinated every day uh, by the Israeli forces. It's been really interesting to see those two men come together. You know, both of them, Rami has always been extremely uh, vocal about his people. He's been really ex- uh, uh, vocal about things that are happening in, an, in the Arab world um, in a way that, you know, I love that man. I think he's always been, you know, a, a force for good in this space. He's always seemed to have galvanized and, 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 and crystallized things in a pretty good way. And, and the fam 
Tamur, who I love as well, who continues to use his power for good in the space around um, around lots of different things, but now very specifically with this particular issue, really gave me a lot of respect for both of them in another way. Of course, there have been massive amounts of people who have been talking about it. There's a great story, a great conversation that we had over in Kind of Funny uh, with their most recent uh, Kind of Funny's Game Daily, where I was the co-host along with Game uh, Game Over Greggy, with Greg Miller um, talking about the um, IGN uh, editorial posts that wind up getting pulled down by corporate. Go check out that episode, you know, so you can check out the conversation that we had there. No real need to retread it here, but the TLDR version of that was uh, editorial put up a donation page for the folks uh, uh, of Palestine and in, 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 in a sign of support. Uh, corporate uh, IGN Israel had a had a counter to that and said that we don't necessarily rock with it and corporate wind up pulling it down. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of of a kerfuffle after that uh, about when they took it down, how they took it down and how they basically cut the knees out from uh, IGN editorial, which then led the editorial team to write an open letter to uh, the corporate side of the business and saying, Hey, here's what we need to know to make sure that, you know, you're not going to continue to do this. And also you don't have the right to do this for, and speak in, 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 in speak for us. Uh, when we're trying to do something that anyone who has a heart um, and anyone understands that the Palestinian people are people and deserve to have their own space um, can be able to see uh, and be able to support uh, and do that work in that way. So um, this week, I want to give massive love and props to Rami and Tamor for using their voice for good, for, for, for making sure that they are adding to the discourse in a way that humanizes, again, people who who often are not in the games that we play, in the conversations that we have, in the media coverage that we see here in the Western world. Um, it was brilliant to be able to see uh, them do that work um, in that way. Uh, so again, we raise our fists with them. We raise our fists with the Palestinian people, with the Arab world in that way, um, and want to make sure that we're giving them love uh, as well, because right now, as we speak, we are sure that there are still more atrocities happening in the world. Um, towards them in that space. So we want to make sure we're giving space for them this week on who's coming to the cookout. So uh, one other thing to share or a couple other things to share uh, before we get up out of here for this week. Again, we record on Wednesdays every evening. Uh, our show goes out on Friday. Uh, we have a couple of things that are happening this week that are going to be pretty damn dope. And we want to make sure you're paying attention to it in the space of what we do here at Spawn On Me. Uh, tomorrow on March, no more, May 20th, uh, Spawn of Me goes into Hitman 3. We will have our first contracts up. We have three contracts going up into Hitman 3 tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be nuts to see our logo in that game, a game that I love and a game that I appreciate and really love the folks over at IO. Shout out to the folks over IEO Interactive for including us. It is a huge accomplishment for us here at Spawn of Me to be a part of a game that big that is so beloved by so many people across the world. I'm still bugging out that things that I wrote will wind up showing up in that game and you'll get to merc people that I decided to merc in that game. So it's going to be pretty awesome to see that be a thing uh coming tomorrow so by the time you've heard this if you're not listening to the live stream go back in uh and check out the game boot up hitman 3 so you can check out the contracts that we have in there um and lastly before we get up out of here for this episode our wonderful friends our 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 podcast mates our podcast network mates are streaming and i'll be streaming with them this weekend may may 22nd uh, we'll be raising money in a 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific time stream over at twitch.tv slash fanbyte. Uh, raising money for the Palest Palestinian Children's Relief Fund. Uh, we'll be raising money for them for 12 hours straight. I'll be on the stream rocking with them. I just heard a little while ago uh, that the building that the PCRF uh, resides in was bombed today. Um, so it tells you exactly just how 
tenuous all of this is and how we are fighting for people's actual lives out here uh, to figure out ways that we can keep them safe and, and, and keep this unreasonable occupation happening and these conversations happening and people doing that stuff. So our prayers go out to anyone who, who might've lost their life in, in any of those bombings today and them and everyone else who's in that space in, in the world. So the, we'll be raising money for the PCRF um, here on spawn on me uh, on twitch.tv slash fanbite with the rest of our fanboy fanbite homies. Um, and yeah, we're, we're hoping to raise, uh, I don't know what our goal is going to be yet, but, uh, I think we should be able to do it with all of us here in Chicago and everybody in fanbite land, uh, making sure we do our part to make sure that, um, people are okay across the world. Um, so with that massive love again to Jason, uh, we're going to have our post show, uh, in a minute or two. Uh, so make sure you're coming and hanging out for that. Uh, and yeah, we're going to go over and check out some stuff from our friends over at Flat Fabletics because they just sent over a new gear drop. Uh, so we're going to share that out in our post show and, and give the folks here on Twitch a little bit of love for subscribing and following and all that cool stuff. So if you're listening in podcast land, please go check out all the stuff that's here on the channel. Please follow us here on Twitch. Follow our YouTube channel. Again, our death loop video is up there. Our episodes are up there every week. Um, and again, follow the channel and follow the podcast and share it. Spread it out to the world. We're trying to do some good things here at Spawn on Me, and we, uh, we'd love for you to continue to make us and get us into bigger and, and, and better spaces. So uh, we'll see you all very, very soon if you're listening to us in audio format. For everybody here who's on Twitch, hang out for a couple minutes. We're going to go and do our post show, and we'll see you all next week here on Spawn on Me. Much love to you all. We'll see you all soon. Peace.